Bonjour team and welcome to episode 12 I think of What an Absolute Fit Show. Today I talked to Jay about bodybuilding and mental health. We had a really good chat and it went on for like over an hour. I have split this into two parts because I think I want to keep it nice and short. I want to keep these podcasts under half an hour ideally. So just bear with us and I'll release part two next week. Anyway, without further ado, I introduce you to Jay. back into just an open yeah. for any category yeah you, you've probably got to go wherever you've got to be to be in the over 35s you've got to be at a certain level yeah. if you then want to do open so as anyone can enter it yeah. you've got to be at a different level yeah i'm just going to uh move this over so it doesn't get sitting in the right. beard, mate. yeah that'll be all right yeah, so uh, yeah so masters you're up against other people over the 80s yeah then if you go i mean i went last time i did one open show because we make convinced me to do it I ended up coming second, but I lost out because the other lad was just bigger. Right. Everything else, I beat him on everything. Yeah. I literally was better than on everything apart from he was just massive. Right, so just a mass monster. So, how, how does that sort of like affect now? The um, do people like judges? Do they look mostly at sort of like size, or do they look at sort of like what is it? Depends on the judge. I'm a show. Really? Like there were seven judges there. Two of them had me winning, and five of them had him winning. And yeah. he was like 36 pounds, 35, 36 pounds heavier than me. Same height. So it, it just looked bigger. Yeah. Is but, it very much what it like comes down to on the day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also, like I've done, I did a show, one show for Federation I've never done before. And I turned up there and I thought, I looked on the stage and I thought, I'm probably going to win this if I don't come. If not, I'll come second. Yeah. Like I'm last. I was like, right. I looked around and I was like, are you for real? Yeah. Like they call us all out stage and you go front, you all line up and then they'll put you to the back and then they'll call certain people forward for different call outs to, to compare two different people. They'd never called me out once and I thought, I've just nailed it. I, th- I listened to the back and I thought, well, I can't have lost. I can't be last looking at yeah. what's in front of me. I thought, I can't be last. Yeah. So I've, I've obviously won it. And then when I called my names out, I was last. I was like, how the fuck? And then I found out the other, other ones, everyone else in that show had competed with that federation loads and loads and loads and knew them all. Right, so it was more of a... It was politics. Yeah. But as we walked off stage, the top two got an invite to their British finals, and I got an invite to the British finals. Right. Nobody else did. Right. So first, second, and last. I was like... Go figure. Right. What? No. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's... It's... it's, it's politics, and Oh, politics. Yeah. It's subjective. It depends what you look at. Like, some people... Like, like, I was told on that show, I was told uh, my back looked better than his. I had calves, he had no calves. I had a tiny waist compared to him because he had a big growth gut. Uh, my condition was better than his. It was just, he was bigger. Mm. That was it. Mm. So it's like, well, if you're just judging it on size, yeah. so you just get some big fat bloke on stage and go, well, he's bigger than me, so he's won it. Yeah. What, um, what, got you, what got you into bodybuilding? What's, what made you start? I haven't, honestly, no idea. How long have you been doing it for? I would struggle with this because I've trained for years. Right. I can never remember a time not training. From when I was a kid, I you know I'd do running. I had a little weight bench when I was 
certainly in my late teens. I had, yeah. I had a little weight bench at home. Uh, so I did a little bit. Then I sort of started going to gyms. Uh, I suppose when I, the job I'm in now, I've been doing 20 odd years, just yeah. over 20 years. And I remember when I did my training, there was a gym there and I was probably the minute more a bodybuilding style training more than anyone else. But I certainly wouldn't class myself as a bodybuilder then. What would you have classed it as? Just strength training? Just going to the gym. Literally just, just going to the gym. I wouldn't call it anything. Just, yeah. just just going to the gym. Just yeah. didn't even think of it as anything. Didn't think of it as anything. Just I enjoyed going to the gym. Something that's entwined into your life then from a really young age. Yeah, yeah. What, what got you there? What made you... What got you into the gym? Like, what got you... I think most of most of the people I associated with when I was a kid, all we mates and that were into some sort of fitness. Right. There was no one lazy. Right. I never had... I, I don't... I can't remember ever having a games console or computer or anything like that. I did have... I think we had a Commodore 64, but my brother used it more than me. Like, I, I just wasn't my sort of thing. I, I preferred doing stuff with my hands, being out and about, being practical. I've never been very academic. Uh, or certainly not as younger. Late years, I've done a little bit of studying and got a few qualifications, but... Never really been into uh, academic stuff, always practical stuff. So it's always just I been, just, just enjoyed just being it. sort of fit just and healthy-ish. Yeah. And I suppose about 10 years ago, I started eating a little bit better rather than going to the gym and then leaving the gym, having a couple of fags, driving home, getting a kebab and going home and having a load of beer and a kebab, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I did. Genuinely, I used to leave the gym. The first thing I did was go to the car, was like a cigarette. Hey, I used to train, uh, when I first started going to the gym, I was like 17. And I'd literally finish in the gym. I'd jump in the hydrotherapy pool for an hour. Yeah. And then I'd go to KFC. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be I'm, my... I'm, but then I, I would drink excessively. Like, okay. I drank. I was... Okay. I, I, I've never been registered as an alcoholic, but I reckon I was an alcoholic. I drank that much. Okay. And that was, like, sort of early 20s sort of thing? Or into 30s. Into your 30s. Yeah, you probably. feel that taking the bodybuilding a bit more seriously pulled um, you out of that? Mass... Yeah. No, I don't know what it was really with drinking because I'm not too total. Mm. I just, I find that if I have a, if I had one beer now with you sat here and had a beer, tomorrow morning I'd wake up knowing I'd had a beer and I'd feel a bit, yeah. and I'd, just, I'd rather wake up fresh to go and do my cardio and whatever. Exactly. That's... And I, so I just don't drink. Smoking for years, people would say, oh, can you stop smoking? My lads would say, stop smoking. Exes would say, stop smoking. People would say, you ain't stop smoking. And I'm like, all right, I'll try, I'll try. And I got one day I thought, do you know what? I want to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. And I just start smoking. Yeah, and it's as easy as that. I think it, it was willpower because I wanted to. You I wasn't it. doing it for someone else. I was like, oh, go on in. I'll, I'll stop smoking. I'll have a sneaky fag at work, and they won't know then. But then when I wanted to stop smoking, I couldn't sneak off somewhere to have a cigarette because I was always there. You're you're sort of like in your zone. You're doing. We can't get away from yourself, can you? No, exactly. You're always there, so I, I had to. Yeah. If I wanted to stop smoking for me, I had to actually stop smoking. Yeah. So I did, and then I started eating better. Yeah. Uh, Always worked shifts, and obviously stopped work. When I stopped, you know, I worked for a few supplement companies, did a load of expos and bits and pieces and demos and stuff like that, and sort of promotion stuff. And it was always like, why don't you compete? Why don't you compete? You look in good shape. You, you you could do all right. I was like, there's no work and prep for a, a show working shifts. So I've, I've had this conversation a few times with different maybe clients, and just I just had the conversation with other people about shift workers and the health effects on right. working shifts like how would you so you say you there's no way you'd be able to no. like prep for a bodybuilding competition no. working shifts why why is that i think with my shifts the shifts i used to do and to be fair most people have done shifts have looked at them and gone what doctors have looked at police shift patterns and gone that is ridiculous because you do like you do 
they're slightly changed now, but when I was doing it, it you do three shifts, then then two, like three days, two days off, four lates, two days off, three nights. It was always three, then four, then yeah, three, then four. Yeah. You'd get three days off after nights, two days off after everything else, but it would be literally days, lates, nights, days, late. So you're up and down. You, you never, you know, when my mum was nursing, she would do like three months of nights. She could get into a rhythm. But yeah. when you're going up, down, you literally didn't know. Your yeah. body didn't had no idea. And then I ended up getting issues with my sleep, which a lot of coppers do. Uh, I just couldn't sleep at all. Some people oversleep. I couldn't sleep at all. I would come home from work after night shift. And for me, a really good sleep was 45 minutes. Really? Yeah. And then I'd go to work, and then my body would go, well, it's nighttime, you want to go to sleep. But I was at work. By 2 o'clock in the morning, I was wrecked. Wrecked. Dangerous. Like, to the extent it was dangerous to be driving. And work's attitude was just like, which well, your responsibility is to be fit for work. Crack on. It was like... It doesn't work like that. You can't just, you can't alter the human body. No. You know? No. I've had experience in working shifts, like during the pandemic, I had to go get a real job. And I was just working at a factory and I was doing four days on, four days off, days and nights. Yeah. And the night shifts used to really fuck me up. Really fuck me up. Like I couldn't train. I couldn't, I couldn't do things with my family and with my friends because I was like, I just need to sleep. And that, then the four days off, two days of that was just, catching up on sleep and trying to get back into a normal sleeping rhythm, sleeping pattern. Yours sounds much worse than mine. It was horrific. It was horrific. <laughs> it sounds like, absolutely. So I, I do take my hat off to, you know, coppers, people that work within the NHS that work shifts and things. To be, to be fair, more- I think with most shift workers, the problem with the police is what, what they said is when we used to say like, can't we, we used to do years ago, just before I joined, they used to do like seven nights, seven nights and then seven days off. Yeah. And the courts complained, saying, well, you're not available. for t- It was too long. Well, police uh, weren't available. Right. So then they come into this ridiculous shift pattern. So at least once a week, you're going to be available. But they took nothing into consideration about the health, the fact that it was literally killing people. It, it's knocking years off people's lives. Yeah. It, it really is. They've changed it now. They now do, most most cops that work shifts, do two days, two 12-hour day shifts, and then two uh, 12-hour night shifts, and then four days off. Right. Which... It basically for four, four, five days you're just written off. Yeah. Because twelve hours plus traveling to work, that's your, your entire day. You've got no time for anything else. And people are like, yeah, but you get four days off. It's like great, but for four days you cannot do anything but work. Mm. So that's why you can't prep for a bodybuilding competition. No, not a chance. So you w- would you have left it that long though before doing a comp? Like, what do you think? One of the questions I've got actually written down. I don't like to write a lot of questions down. I like to just sort of go Flow. with the conversation. Yeah. But one of the questions I've got written down is when somebody gets into bodybuilding or like starts to take it a bit more seriously, would you have them, would you advise that they go straight into a comp and sign up for a competition? Or would you say maybe get a couple of years to, you know, feel it, get be part of the community before actually stepping on stage? Because it's I, a lot of pressure. I've heard right? different things. I've heard different things. I've heard people say, you go to the gym, a bodybuilder is somebody who competes. Okay. If you don't compete, you're not a bodybuilder. You just go to the gym and training. I, I kind of, I can see that point of view. Yep. Because that is the ultimately what you're doing. But then, if you go to the gym and you train like a bodybuilder, are you a bodybuilder? I don't know. For me, bodybuilding isn't just going to the gym. It's more. It's 24-7. It's more of a lifestyle, right? Massively. It's completely lifestyle. Like, what you do in the gym is a tiny part of it. Of, of actual bodybuilding. Yeah. Working in the gym is, is training, but bodybuilding includes, obviously, your diet, 
Uh, it can go into drugs if, if that's the way you want to go, if you want to go to the dark side. Uh, it involves posing, it involves presentation, choreography, if you, you know, depending on what categories you're doing, of getting your routines really good. So it's a whole, whole package and it is a lifestyle, like a, a typical bodybuilding prep would be something like 12 to 16, maybe 20 weeks. And in that time, you're eating exactly what's on plan. You ain't eating nothing else. You're not going out for meals. You're not socialising. You're not going out drinking. You're not doing anything at all. That's bodybuilding. Yeah. Going to the pub every weekend, having a kebab, but having a gym membership where you go and lift some weights two or three times a week, and then saying you're a bodybuilder. I don't know. I think you're a gym goer. Yeah. Okay. That's the difference. But okay. So as a bodybuilder who's living that lifestyle, mm-hmm. What sort of effect is that having on people's mental health? Or like make it a bit more personal, what sort of effect does it have on your, does it help you with like, say you've got other stuff going on in your life, does that having that sort of, um, that vision that uh, this is what I'm doing, does it help or do you think it hinders? Both. Okay. If I'm, if I'm completely honest, both. Yeah. I, I've suffered a lot with mental health over yeah. the last, Mainly 10 years, uh, I've been... Just to interject with this, you can go as deep or as shallow as you want with this. Yeah, no, okay, no, you no. Can, I'm, you I'm, can open I'm, it up or you can... Yeah, no. I'm cool talking about it. Yeah? I'm okay. really cool talking about it because for me... Talk about that. Right, let, let, let's hear your story. For it's, me, it's all about the more you talk about it, and I've always said this to people, I would stand up in front of a 1,000 people and if 999 stood there and took the piss out of me, but one person walked away going, I was going to kill myself, but I'm not now. Yeah. All day long, I will go and stand in front of 10,000 people. Mate, all day long. All we day did, long. Um, your friends with Loom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, when we did that podcast with Loom, mate, we had so many, I had so many people come up to me and so many people come up, went up to Loom and we're just like, fucking, that was brilliant. Just opening up and just, mm-hmm. because I'm feeling like that. Why, mm-hmm. you know, but I was a bit, I didn't think it was an issue, but I was feeling, you know, I felt yeah. like I had that, that sort of issue with like how my body looked and everything, but I just thought it was a thing. And then we've heard, I've heard you talk about it. And I've actually realised that maybe I need to sort of control this and get on top of it. So if you do want to open up, that's... Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, you know, you've got all the scientific research, all the doctors say one in four people suffer mental health or mental ill health, because everyone's got mental health is how you control it. Everyone's got mental health. It's just a case of whether it's in a good place or a bad place. Now, if one in four people suffer from bad mental ill health... Yeah. Why can't you find anyone? You, you can't. You go and speak to anyone. Nobody, yeah. nobody has. Yeah. So they're, they're keeping it in, not hiding it or lying about it. But a lot of people are still scared to talk about it. Right. And I was. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what was happening with me. Uh, I've been diagnosed by several psychiatrists, psychotherapists, all sorts of different people. Uh, and a lot of it goes back to my childhood, which I didn't realise. Okay. Some of it goes through... The biggest trigger was losing my mum. Okay. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, me and my mum were very, very close. My father passed away about six months before my mum. Uh, he was a lot older. Uh, he had been ill for about a, a good year. Uh, he lasted longer than all the doctors said he would because he was stubborn. And that's the sort of guy he was. He was very, very stubborn. He's like, well, I'm not ready to go yet, so I'm not going. Like, all right, keep going, Dad. Uh, so we kept going, and then my mum very, very suddenly, wasn't very well, went to the hospital, very well, within a couple of weeks, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and they said six months at the most, uh, and it was about three or four weeks, and she passed away, and 
it took me three years and quite a lot of counselling to actually accept my mum had died. Uh, I used to try and phone her. I didn't try and phone her. I used to phone a number. You know, I would, I've driven to her house, her old house a couple of times just because, because I just hadn't accepted it. Yeah. Uh, so it took a lot of counselling to get me to accept it. And it's never really gone away. I've still got, people say it gets easier or time heals and all that. It does and it doesn't. You know, I've, I've accepted my mum's gone, but I still, for some reason, suffer really bad with like anxiety, uh, panic attacks. People say, well, what triggers it? And it could be anything. It literally could be anything. I, I've no idea why. Uh, I got to the stage where I couldn't go to certain places. I couldn't drive to work. Certainly when I was working shifts, I, uh, because of my sleep issues, where I was not sleeping at all, I came away from working shifts and got a more an office-based job. Uh, I got to the stage where I literally could not drive to work. I'd start driving, I'd get halfway, and I just pulled into a lay-by. And no matter what I tried to do, I could drive home, I could not keep, continue driving towards work. Uh, went into an office-based job for about five or six years, and then seven months ago, I had the worst panic attack I've ever had. I was actually here in the gym. Really? Yep. I was here in the gym, uh, which I've always, always has been my absolute comfort zone. I was halfway through a set of squats on the pendulum squat, and I thought, something doesn't feel right. Oh, I feel funny. Went outside, and I literally sat down the side of a gym for a good hour. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't get my breath. I felt horrendous. If I could have got hold of anyone, I'd have said, call me an ambulance. I did not think I was going to survive. It was. I've never known anything like it. Uh, managed to sort of get myself right. But as I say, it was a good hour feeling like that. Literally shaking, couldn't breathe. Uh, at the end of it, I felt so weak. I managed to get home. Uh, next day I went to work. Got into work. And in about 10 minutes, I thought, I just can't be here. Got in the car, drove away, and I've not been back. And that was seven months ago. I've just not been back. I, I cannot go. The thought of even going there. I've been yeah. signed off sick. Uh, work, occupational health have signed me off sick. My GPs actually signed me off indefinitely. Uh, I've been under various counsellors, mental health workers, psychiatrists, and basically what they're saying is I am not suitable anymore to do that job. It's just not suitable for me. And it's, I was actually told it's probably not safe for me to be there mm. Uh, mm. for them or for me. Yeah. So at the moment I'm... That's where that's where you are. That's where I am. Mm. Uh, well, thanks for sharing that. I'm sure like there's going to be a lot of people that can relate to different aspects mm. of that. Um, and sort of, you know, it's... It, people... Everybody's got a reason why they don't feel. Like you say that one in four, every one in four people struggle like with their ill mental health or problems with their mental health. Um, and a lot of the time, like yours is, you know, losing a family member, mm-hmm. losing two in such a short space of time is absolutely insane. But to have like anybody that struggles, it doesn't matter really what they're struggling with. It's the fact that they're struggling, mm. isn't it? You know? Um, <clears throat> so, a lot of the time it can turn into a, oh, well, am I, I'm struggling more because I've gone through this and I'm struggling more. Because like, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, it's how we get through it and how we can, how we, like, we help people through it. And I think being in a gym environment is a really good way of yeah. doing that. Like being, getting around, like 
I see you training and I see you talking and I see people talking to you and I see everybody like it's almost like a big you get yourself to a gym which is like a good sort of almost like a people's gym you know like yeah. like this is it's a community it's a fantastic community yeah. um so you say that it's been like bodybuilding has helped your mental health but also it's put it on the day does that it, it's affected it in a negative way as well does that depend on whether you're prepping or whether it's post show uh a bit of both so for me it's it's a release yeah. it's I'm very, very happy in the gym. I'm very comfortable in the gym. Uh, I I enjoy all aspects of it. You know, for me, the gym is for absolutely everyone. You don't have to be a competitive bodybuilder. I think it's so good. It's all the research proves that physical fitness helps with mental health. Yeah, it, it does. That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, so I encourage everyone to go to the gym. Uh, for me, if I've had a bad day. I come to the gym. I normally have a better session when I've had a really bad day and I don't want to come to the gym. I force myself and, and loads of people say it. I just have an almost awesome session. If I'm feeling great, I come to the gym and like, I carry on feeling great. Uh, but it tends to bring me out of any sort of dark places. Yeah. Uh, you can take out your anger. You know, I'm not saying you're going to smash the place up, but you can, you're using a lot of energy, using, you know, Sort of some explosive powers, yeah. you know, depending on what you're lifting or how, what you're training. For starters, you're getting endorphin release. Oh, massively. All the chemical yeah. imbalances in your body like work themselves out in the gym. Yeah. I swear they do. Massively. You know, massively. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I don't understand all the, yeah. the chemical stuff and that. And I've always said to people when I talk about different chemicals, either within the body or with supplements and things like that, I don't understand it all that much. I know what works for me and what doesn't work for me. But I'm no expert in it, and I wish I was. I try and study more. I try and learn more, but I am not an academic. I never have been. I never will be. I'll try and learn as best I can, uh, but I'm just not an academic. So the positive sides of it is obviously, as we've explained, negatively, I think if you want to compete, it is such a 24-7 thing. It isn't like, I can't think of any other sport I just can't, and I've always done this, try to think of any sport that is 24-7. You know, you get a break with everything else. You just can't have a break with bodybuilding, really, if you want to do it properly. Uh, yes, you can have your off-season. Yes, you can have off-plan meals. It used to be called cheat meals. Uh, <laughs> and that's, now, that's now, the best rebrand I've ever heard in my now that, life. Now, then it was treat meals, and now it's off-plan <laughs> meals. Whatever it is, sometimes, you know, you've got to have some sort of balance. You can't live your life 24-7. Yeah. Professional bodybuilders, you know, the top bodybuilders in the world will have a pizza, will have a burger, will have a tub of ice cream, you know. Seabum uh, used to have, it looked like after a show, he only did the Olympia. He only ever did, does the Olympia really now. Up until last year, he was having like three months off where he literally just got fat and just ate what he wanted, did what he wanted. And then in nine months, turned himself into like this freak of nature. Uh, so you can have some sort of balance but there's always that little chipping away at you going if I do this I've got a bit more work to do then uh, it, it has strains on relationships if you're I was going to ask do yeah, you have strain on relationships yeah massively uh, I've recently gone through a breakup uh, both into fitness I think mine mine went more and more extreme and more and more obsessed Hers become less and less and less, and we've drifted apart. Other reasons as well, obviously. 
but it is very, very hard on, on relationships. Uh, you know, you're not going out, you know, not drinking as well. A lot of people drink, a lot of people socialise with alcohol. Uh, I don't enjoy that at all anymore. I used to drink far too much. Uh, I don't enjoy that anymore. Would you say then that part of your social life is now probably gym-based then? Or, yeah. or do you still, do you have anything else other than sort of like, well, I suppose with a bodybuilding lifestyle, you can't really, because it takes up so much of your time. It and does. Energy. I mean, I like going out for nice meals. I like food. I've always been a food person. I love nice food. So I will all go out, but I'll, I'll, I'll eat sensibly. You can go out and you can have an off-plan meal and you can eat sensibly. You don't have to have, you know, a starter that's the worst starter on the menu. You don't then have to have the biggest pizza and then have the biggest ice cream sundae on the menu, followed by... 400 pints of beer or whatever kids drink these days you know you don't have to do that you can go out you don't have to have a starter you can have steak you can swap the, the chips for jacket potato or something like that and if you want a pudding you can have a small little pudding or something like that just be sensible it, it's it's not difficult you can still go out and socialize certainly in your off season uh, but yeah for me this is you know so many people said to me you need another hobby you need another hobby like why i'm happy <laughs> you might not be happy looking at me going I couldn't do what you do but I'm really really happy with my life now is, is that it I think a lot of people that would it's of any any aspect of fitness whether it's bodybuilding or anything else whether it's even if it's training in the gym mm-hmm. and then going off and having the kebab or whatever people will ridicule it because you're doing something that they're not prepared to do 100% 100% I totally agree uh, I've had people come up to me I think probably the worst one I ever thought where the most delusional person is someone at work came up to me a few years ago. Uh, just an average sort of person. Nothing to look You wouldn't know. They'd went to the gym or didn't. Can I ask you a favour, mate? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I hardly knew this person. He went, I'm going to London in six weeks and I want to look like you. And I was like, wow. And I was People like, really I was like so what's your diet like? He said, well, I see all the stuff you eat and all that. He said, I haven't got time for all that. He says, I, I, I just have, like, get a meal deal and a, and a McDonald's or whatever. I'm like, okay. Says, where, where do you train, mate? He says, well, I use the gym here at work, which is, it is a gym. You can go and train it. But you can't train properly. And you can exercise it a bit. Mm. And I was like, right. He says, is there nothing I can just take? Awesome. Right. I'm going to call it there for part one. Just because I'm trying to keep these podcasts under... 30 minutes ideally just to keep them nice and short and sharp next week i'm going to talk to jay a little bit more about the mental health side of bodybuilding but also the cost financially of being a bodybuilder so stay tuned and i will see you next week <laughs>